Bridge is an acronym for books recycled to instruct, disciple, guide, and educate. We firmly believe that reading is critical for Christians to grow in their faith, and so we strive to make Bibles and gospel-based Christian books available at very affordable prices. Our purpose is to share the glorious good news of Jesus Christ through written and spoken word. We do this by providing resources and educational opportunities for people to grow in their knowledge of biblical truth so that they are equipped to share that truth with others. You can visit our website at bridgebookstexas.org where you can find our Reformed podcast, Bridge Radio, where we bring on Christian authors, apologists, and scholars such as Dr. James White, Dr. John Frame, Joe Beakey, Jeff Durbin, John Sampson, and Tim Trumpert. You can find Bridge Radio on iTunes, Android, Windows, and Google Play or stream via our website. Thank you and enjoy the podcast. that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be an anathema, an accursed. And that is Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. Welcome back to another episode of Bridge Radio, brothers and sisters. And uh, we're uh, broadcasting out of the great state of Texas. Texas. And across from me, as always, A.W. Varilla. Yes, yes, I'm back. I was out last uh, ep- last episode. Sorry about that. But. Busy, busy man now. Yes, I'm busy, but not busy to be on here. <laughs> mm. All right, that's good. Well, and then to the right of me, I have uh, uh, the, the, the boss of this whole shebang, Mr. Steve Denhartog. What's up, everybody? Good to be with you here today for a little while anyway. All righty. So today we're going to be talking about Mormonism. 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 Or is, Mormonism. Is Mormonism a cult? Uh, is Mormonism a cult? Yeah, okay. Huh. We'll name the title of the yes. podcast that. Is yeah. Mormonism a cult? <laughs> so, yeah, guys, we're going to be talking about uh, Mormonism, and uh, we have on a, a guest who's been on the program before. He was he came on to talk about Solo Fide and the Five Sola series we had back in January, and he, we also had the honor and privilege of having him at our conference. And he did a, a very, very excellent presentation yes. along with yeah, uh, it was great. some other four speakers we had. And uh, today we're bringing him on the program to talk about Mormonism. We're going to try to get to, uh, well, first we are going to get to its origins, talk about its theology, its soteriology, and answer the question, um, as Steve put it, is, is Mormonism, Mormonism a cult? A cult. Yes. <laughs> and is Joseph Smith a false prophet? So mm-hmm. it's a lot to really talk about. Maybe we might have to do a part two. Talk fast, Matt. Yes. But, yeah, we're going to have to talk <laughs> fast. <laughs> All right, guys, so let's go ahead and jump in. Um, if you don't know him, well, you're going to get to know him today. Um, he is the uh, founder and president of uh, Christian Apologetics Research Ministry, that is CARM.org, and I highly recommend for uh, our listeners to go check out that website. It Absolutely. is an excellent resource, uh, and uh, the, our guest is, uh, again, the 
founder and president. He's done a lot of the writing that is on there. I mean, you can find anything from atheism to Mormonism to Jehovah's mm. Witness to Roman Catholicism, uh, even to find out a little bit more about uh, uh, our faith as Christians. There's a mm. lot of great answers there. But uh, uh, thank you back. Uh, thank you for coming back onto the program, Matt Slick. Well, thanks for having me back on. Yeah. So, how how's it going? You were just talking to us right now. How you're writing, uh, or you're doing a little bit of some some research uh, on some new stuff you're working on the on the website, right? Yeah, I've been doing a, a smackdown on annihilationism, <laughs> which is the uh, the teaching that when you die, you don't exist, and or uh, when final judgment comes, God wipes you out so that you don't exist anymore. I've got over a hundred articles. They'll be releasing on that, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, just, just punching it in the gut. And also, yesterday I just released a, a novella. I might as well give it a push. Yeah, called, mm. called Atheistica. And, um, <laughs> it's about an atheist nation. Yeah, it's cool. Okay. I'm gonna get a website and everything. But uh, it's, it's um, Atheistica, and uh, you can go to Amazon and, and get the book and uh, Kindle if you want. And and uh, it's apologetics okay. on, um, against atheism. And stuff like that. Nice. We've got more stuff I'll be releasing soon, but uh, you know me, I'm busy. I'm always writing. Yeah. yeah, you are. What what keeps you always writing and keep you keeps you steadin'? Is it just uh, I don't know. Oh, that's easy. What is it? My wife, man, she gives me the glare if I don't do something. That's <laughs> it. It's just one of those. You guys probably know about the wives and the look and everything. And, they do keep and, us uh, motivated. <laughs> they yeah. keep us motivated, so I have to stay in my room sequestered and write. That's one possible reason, okay. but the real one is that. Um, uh, I must, I have to defend the faith of, of the Lord Jesus Christ um, at all costs and for his glory in order to expand his kingdom, to equip the Christians, to refute error. Uh, we have the truth in the Lord Jesus Christ, uh-huh. and everybody ought to believe in him and trust in him. And if you don't, you're lost, and you're going to hell on the day of judgment. Uh-huh. And I want people to believe in him and trust in him, so that's what I'm doing in every way I can, as uh, much as possible. Amen. The real Jesus, not the false Jesus. Yeah. The real Jesus. <laughs> yeah. God in flesh, second person of the Trinity, hypostatic union, communicatio idiomatum. Yep. <laughs> All righty. <laughs> we'll get into it. a little bit of that today. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so, uh, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, uh, Mormonism, Matt, uh, what, how, how, um, whenever you first started Karm.org, uh, started doing apologetics, was, was Mormonism the first kind of uh, cult or uh, religion that you first encountered? Since you do live up in, in Utah, right? Actually, that's a good question, because mm-hmm. um, what happened was... Uh, I'm going to read you the quote. I've quoted it a hundred thousand times, but I'm going to read you a quote. Back in 1980, um, let's see, here we go. Um, Back in 1980, I was at a Bible study. I didn't know anything. And uh, this guy, who's a friend of mine now, we've known since then, he uh, read a quote to me from Joseph Smith. Now, I didn't know it was from Joseph Smith. And it made me mad. And this is what was my introduction to anything apologetics, to anything cults, to anything religious, whatever, except for, you know, just basic Christian stuff like, hey, the Trinity. Well, what's that? I don't know. You know, I didn't know anything. And this is what this guy read me. He goes, hey, I only met him one week before. And he read me this. God is, God is in a still small voice and all these affidavits, indictments, it is all of the devil, all corruption. You come on, you prosecutors, you false swears, all hell boil over, you burning mountains, roll down your lava, for I will come out on the top at last. I have more to boast of than ever any man had. I'm the only man that has ever been able to keep a whole church together since the days of Adam. A large majority of the whole have stood by me, neither Paul, 
John, Peter, nor Jesus ever did it. I boast that no man ever did such a work as I. Whoa. The followers of Jesus ran away from him, but the Latter-day Saints never ran away from me yet. Whoa. Yeah, so that made me so mad that I ripped the paper out of this guy's hand. Mm. I only met him one week before, and I crumbled it up in my fist, and I said, who said this? And he said, Joseph Smith. And I said, well, who's that? He mm. said, he's the founder of Mormonism. And I said, well, I said, Mormonism's Christian, but this guy is not. Mm. And he looked at me, my friend looked at me and said, no, Mormonism's not Christian. I said, what do you mean it's not Christian? Of course it is. They believe in Jesus. And he started telling me what they believe. My jaw ratched down with each thing he said. I'm like, what? Mm. And that and that got me motivated to start studying uh, 38 years ago, and here we are. Wow. wow. Interesting. I was... There was a podcast I was listening to, maybe about, probably about a year ago, and uh, really, I would say, kind of my first little dab into Mormonism, and I was kind of listening a little bit to what they believe in. It was a BYU lecture, and uh, my mouth dropped probably just as you did out of hearing that quote from oh, Joseph yeah. Smith, and he said that Joseph Smith was the door hinge. Um, uh, and if, if those of you who are familiar with, with reading the Bible, uh, Jesus refers himself to the door. He's the door, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and this Mormon is saying that Jesus, uh, that Joseph Smith is the door hinge. And I would argue that the door hinge is just as important than the door. <laughs> I mean, to even have a door, you would need the door hinges. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, wow. So, so he's, he's elevating himself above Christ himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it kind of goes along with what just Matt just read. So, um, Matt, w- what are the origins for Mormonism, for those who are like us who don't know, um, if you could talk about that, because I think that's very important. So Joseph Smith's family was involved in the occult, and um, what they would do is called money digging. And money digging is you take, a, well, various ways of trying to find buried treasure, because Captain Kidd's buried treasure was reported, purportedly to have been buried around that area. And this is, I'll kind of put a combination of several things in so it'll all make sense why Mormonism is what it is. And so he and his family, I don't blame them. They're trying to make money and survive in a very difficult economy. What he would do is uh, they would get seer stones. They would get uh, divining rods. They would get uh, whatever it was they would do and try and get the townspeople to uh, join in on ventures to um, find lost gold or even, believe it or not, golden plates, which were around the area, which was purported to be around the area. It's just one of the legends that was there. So what happened was they would get a bunch of people together. They would pull pull, uh, pool money. They'd buy a goat or a sheep from somebody, and then they would slit the goat's throat at a certain location, and wherever it died, that's where the buried treasure was. So they would get these guys to start digging down for the treasure. Now, the thing is, the spirit garden of treasure uh, was aware of the people. And if anybody in the group had any doubt about what was happening, the spirit would move the treasure. Hmm. And, of course, they would never find the treasure. And Joseph Smith would say, did anybody have any doubts? And somebody raise their hand. See, there you go. And so this, then he'd get the uh, – his fee was to get the, the uh, goat, and that was how he fed his family. Now, that means he's involved in the occult, basically. People don't know this. Now, what happened was, now there's a book called Mormonism Unveiled, printed in 1834. Now, Mormonism officially got started in 1830. The book Mormonism Unveiled by E.W. Howe, H-O-W-E, is the first anti-Mormon book written. And what it is, is a 
bunch of stories, uh, people who were friends with Joseph Smith and his family under, under oath before magistrates, before judges, before pastors, swore under oath. This is what we know about Joseph Smith. Basically, they all said we wouldn't trust him as far as we could throw a cow. That's basically what they said. He's a charlatan. You can't trust him to be honest, a person of integrity. He's likable. He's got good personality. Uh, he's, he's intelligent, but you can't trust him. Hmm. There was a rainstorm. In this book, one of the guys uh, gave an account of what he said Joseph Smith said to him directly. So this man wrote under oath what Joseph Smith said to him on what Joseph said was how Mormonism got started. And he had to backtrack and then invent some stuff. So what happened was, there was, had been a rainstorm in the area the night before, and Joseph Smith was coming home. Now, Joseph said this while he was drunk. He was at a party drinking. And he, uh, this was after Mormonism had gotten its start. And so um, <clears throat> he was coming home uh, in, years ago, and uh, when he saw a piece, of, a little area of sand that had been filtered by the rainwater that came down to some roots of a tree, and he thought, maybe I can use this in my occult stuff, you know, his money digging, whatever it was. Maybe he can use this purified sand. So he put it in his shirt, like above his belt buckle, and just wrapped it up so he could carry mm-hmm. it like a pouch. And then he got home, and his sister was there, and his sister said, what's that? And he just said, oh, it's the golden plates. Hmm. Remember? There was golden plates that they were rumored to be around. He said he was surprised she believed them. She started saying things. Well, people said, hey, you know, you've got the golden golden plates? Because he's into digging around and looking Hmm. for buried treasures and things. Well, now he's got this scam going on. He's got to go, oh, how am I going to get this to work? So he had to come up with something, and he made up this story about um, Mormonism with these plates, which I won't get all the details. He couldn't have carried if they were gold and weighed that much. It doesn't make any sense. There's all yeah. kinds of problems and stuff like that. And so one thing led to another, and then he supposedly was able to translate the Book of Mormon by uh, the power of God. Okay. Now that's the that's what's in that book. Now uh, the Mormon Church will tell you that uh, at 14 years old he had a vision of of God and all religions are false. And he's because Joseph Smith was really a sincere boy trying to pray. And uh, he went out to the forest. And a few years later he was given these plates and then he had to translate the plates with the power of God. And the way he would translate the plates is he'd take a seer stone. Believe it or not, the seer stone was from the urim and thummim of the high priest. And a lot of people don't know the reason the high priest Thurum and Urim and Thummim stone was in um, that area was because the Garden of Eden was in Missouri. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of you guys didn't know that. I've been to it. Yeah, I, I've actually been to the place. So it was in Missouri, and um, so that's why the place. That's why. Uh, the stone was there. So what he would do is get the stone, he'd put it into a hat and cover the, put his face down into the hat and so it's completely dark. Then he would say one letter at a time as would appear on this uh, stone and Oliver Cowdery, a buddy of his, would write one letter at a time, the Book of Mormon in English. And that's how they got the Book of Mormon, supposedly. However, there's what's called a Solomon Spalding manuscript theory, and that has to do with a Presbyterian minister in the 1820s trying to make money, and he was writing a story. He passed away before um, they got published, and people who and he was in the same area as Joseph Smith, and people who knew Solomon Spalding's writing looked at the Book of Mormon and said, "Hey, wait a minute, this is his writing." 
Hmm. So it looks like uh, Smith uh, stole the manuscript. And I've heard some anecdotal studies or stories about people who have actually verified this is the case within Mormonism and left Mormonism. But, you know, so anyway, that's the basics. Wow. I had to put a lot together. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we haven't even gotten to what it teaches. Oh, no, no, no. We're yeah. gonna, we're, let, let's stick on the origin for a minute, because I, I do have some questions. Yeah. Now, those stones that Joseph Smith translated, it is verifiable fact that um, those stones are completely in a different language, and even what they did say... Um, stones? Yeah. You mean the, the plates? The plates, yes. Oh, I'm sorry, yeah, the plates, the golden plates. The plates. Right. They're supposed to be in reformed well no one knows really what language it is because the plates are taken back to, by god so it's called non-falsifiability okay in other words there's no way to verify anything mm-hmm. however however in uh, 1966 i believe it was or 67 they uh, okay well back up so before joseph smith was killed and he was killed he was murdered mm-hmm. oh, wow. and he was in 1834 um that's a whole other story but uh he had but between 1830 and 1834, an Egyptian um, uh, mummy and papyrus uh, display ah. had been moved around in the, in the area by a guy who was make, you know, using it to, hey, for nickel, you can see this stuff, whatever. And so Joseph Smith, now that Mormonism had gotten started, uh, said, hey, this pap- one papyri is the Book of Abraham, okay. and it's from God. So they, they bought it for, I think, 2000 or $2,200 or something like that at that time. And then what he did was he translated the Book of Abraham, which is in their sacred documents, in their Book of Mormon, Pearl of Great Price, and Doctrine and Covenants, along mm-hmm. with the Bible, okay. and said that this was well, the Book of Abraham. And so he translated it by the same methodology, with the same authority, and the same power that he did the Book of Mormon. That's what he said. Hmm. The papyri were lost, and no one could translate it legitimate Egyptian hieroglyphics at the time. And then in the 1880s or 90s, I forgot which, the Rosetta Stone was discovered and then mm-hmm. the code was broken. Well, they couldn't figure out what the original was that Joseph Smith had used because they didn't have it until 1966 in the bottom in a basement of a library. Lo and behold, the manuscript turns up. Wow. It is the exact same one. The Mormon Church admits it's the same one because it has Joseph Smith's handwriting on the back of it. Wow. I mean, it, it, that's it. So the Mormons are saying, we will now prove to you that Joseph Smith is a prophet of God, because now that we can translate hieroglyphics, we'll mm. prove to you that he's a prophet of God. Uh, the story goes now, well, uh, yeah, we know he didn't translate it because it wasn't accurate. So what it is is actually uh, a, a document used by God to inspire him to translate. Ah. In other words, Joseph Smith flat out lied. So he lied about this. And there's the proof that mm. you know, the same authority, the same this, same that. And he, he blew it when it came to the book of Abraham. Where does the uh, where does the where does the word Mormon come from? Oh we can't say it anymore, by the way, right? Anybody read about that? You you familiar with that, no, uh, Matt? No, I'm not. Yeah, yeah. Talk yeah, about that and then answer Steve's question. Right. <laughs> you can you guys can tell I do not like Mormonism. Because no. what it does, along with Islam and along with Roman Catholicism, along with Jehovah's Witnesses and Christian science and unity and other religious systems, is it opens the door to eternal damnation and then by trying to sound good and godly, it urges people into the abyss mm-hmm. so they can mm-hmm. suffer eternally um, out of the presence of God. That's what Mormonism is. And we, as Christian men and women, we need to identify 
what it is and mm. call it what it is mm. and not shy away from the truth. Yeah. doesn't mean we have to be mean and rude like I am right now, but it does mean <laughs> that at the right time, we got to say the truth. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if you guys noticed this. I, I'm sure you have. Every time I go to the hotel room, it really makes me upset that you see the Holy Bible and then right next to it, you see the Book of Mormon and it says another testament of Jesus Christ. Yeah. I swear I want to grab it and I just like, want to throw it through the window. And I don't know I why. Just take them. <laughs> you just take <laughs> Matt, Matt's fiery, man. <laughs> he doesn't mix any words. <laughs> when I go to hospitals, I look around in the waiting room, look for watchtower material. If it's there, I take you all take, of it. Yeah. If I see Book of Mormons anywhere, I take them. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard you say that before on your radio program. <laughs> yeah, you said there. I love right, it. Yeah, right. Oh yeah. Hey, yeah. Thank you very much. <laughs> Go, going back to Steve's question, um, yeah, why why Mormonism? What where, where, is, where does that word come from? The angel um, Mormon basically comes from a, an angel who revealed stuff to uh, Joseph Smith. So he, okay. he became a a quick way of saying Mormonism instead of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints. So there's a yeah. there's an angel named Mormon. Yeah, Moroni is an angel, and then Mormon was a prophet and stuff like this. They call it the Book of Mormon because Mormon was one of the guys actually in the Book of Mormon, Hmm. and uh, it became known as the Book of the Mormon. That's all. Yeah, that's what it became. Yeah, and and recently, I know, what about two, three weeks ago, the church came out, which I'm talking about, the Mormon Church, uh, Latter Day Saints. They no longer they don't. They don't want to use the term Mormon anymore. Like they don't want to be identified as Mormon. I don't really know why that's the case. Well, I don't know how true this is. I heard that they've been having just a lot of uh, struggles within the church with mm-hmm. their youth, um, and and just how they're able to defend Mormonism. Uh, I mean, the same thing that happens even within the Christian community as right. us, as you know, children and go to college and are just struggling with their faith. Uh, I guess that they're having the same thing with uh, their youth. Uh, I don't. I heard that probably a couple months ago um, when I was reading an article. I right. don't recall, and I don't know, uh, uh, Matt, how true that is, or if you heard anything about the. Oh, it's happening. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's happening in Christianity. I want to do something against the uh, the attack of of our faith, uh, and you know, on the web. I want to do something for the youth. It's been on my heart for a long time. But one of the things that's killing Mormonism is the internet. All you got to do is look up an article, is Mormonism Christian, and bang, my article comes up and others. And I start teaching what it really teaches, mm-hmm. and people, they go, what? You know, and they go, I don't want anything to right. do with that. And so, right. there you go. Right. Yeah. I was just listening to um, Dr. James White and Jeff Durbin's debate they had with another um, Mormon. Uh, very nice guy, by the way. Mor- the Mormons that I've come across, very nice people. Um, really mm-hmm. just the theology and stuff that I, I would re- disagree with. But one of the things that they had brought up, um, going back to what you were just talking about, is that when James White and Jeff Durbin, they always talk about when we used to go out and evangelize, we used to carry like backpacks of books and resources showing Mormons, like, look, this is official documents, and this is right. the stuff that you guys believe in. And they would say, no, we don't believe in that. And and I and you're correct, because this is something that they've talked about, and James White has talked about as well, that now the access to the internet is getting a lot of Mormons to leave the church. But not only that, leaving um, Christian, just just they, they don't want to have, they don't want to do anything with religion. Period. So they don't want to have right. anything to do with Jesus Christ. So they just leave it. All together, and they don't even want to look into right. the uh, you know Christianity itself in its purest form. Um, and I think that's just very, very unfortunate. All right, see you, see you, Steve. Steve's bouncing out. Yeah. <laughs> <a little>. <laughs> <laughs> All 
All right, so let's let's go ahead and dive into the theology because I think this is where, where where everything really starts coming out. This is where the meat is at. So, um, Matt, I'm just going to have you take control mm-hmm. of it. Start from here and just let our audience and, and and listeners know what's up with Mormon theology. What are ex- their exclusive claims? What do they believe in? And so I'll let you go. All right, so this is what Mormonism officially, actually, well, more, mostly officially teaches. And when I tell people, a lot of times people go, no, it's not, it's not mm-hmm. true, but it is. And I've got it documented on my website. So what it teaches is that God used to be a man on another planet. And he has a body of flesh and bones. Now, I, he's six feet tall. I happen to be six feet tall. So I tell people, hey, I don't know, that's how tall God is. Look at me, you know. <laughs> and so God has a body of flesh and bones, and he has genitalia, and he has a goddess wife who has genitalia, and they're married, and they, <laughs> and they make spirit babies in heaven. So what happens is their physical bodies, they, you know, fool around, and then they produce spirit offspring. The spirit offspring actually are spirits that exist in the pre-existence as intelligences, and then they become spirit offspring in the pre-existence <clears throat> here. Now, so a bunch of spirits are born, uh, Adam and, I mean, God is goddess wife. Now, I just got to make a comment here. I could just see the goddess mom going, you want to do what? And you want me to what? Give birth to how many billions? Are you serious? Mm-hmm. Because this is what it comes down to. It's like, have you even thought about this? How does that work? Mm-hmm. But at any rate, so... So all these spirits are born in the pre-existence. Now there's going to be a plan of salvation because men are going to fall on the earth. They need to fall in order to become gods again. That's another. We'll get to that. Okay. So there was a plan offered by. Well, Jesus is the firstborn uh, of all the spirits, and then we were all born brothers and sisters to Jesus in the pre-existence. Hmm. And the devil is one of the pre-existing uh, brothers and sisters things to all of us in the pre-existence. We're all brothers and sisters. Okay in the pre-existence. So, um, Jesus had a plan where basically the Father would get the glory, and Satan had a plan where he would kind of get the glory. That's the basic rundown. Hmm. Well, the Father went with Jesus' plan, so the, the devil re- rebelled. Now, the spirits, were there were spirits there, and they had to kind of make a decision. Who, who are they going to go with? So, this is what they used to teach. They don't officially teach it anymore, but this is what they used to teach for decades and decades and decades in their writings, and it's documentable. And for obvious reasons, they shy away from it now. But what they taught was that a third of the spirits in the pre-existence decided to go with Jesus' plan. So they have to be born here on Earth to inhabit human bodies. That's where we come from. We're, we're all born in the pre-existence between God and his goddess wife who have sexual intercourse and mixed spirit offspring. And they come down into human bodies. So the third of the pre-incarnate uh, spirits in the pre-existence, they decided to go with Jesus' plan. So when they're born in human bodies, they're born in white-skinned bodies. Now, a third of the angel, a third of the spirits, they weren't sure uh, which way to go. So they were born in black-skinned bodies when they got to Earth. Now, the third wow. of the of the spirits that, um, that uh, you know, that went with Satan's plan, well, they can never be, uh, they're demons and stuff like that, and they can never be born in, in bodies and attain godhood. So that's what they taught, and for obvious reasons, they, you know, they don't uh, they don't talk about that. In the Book of Mormon, it talks about uh, when you believe and some things happen, your skin color changes, and you become white and delightsome. Huh. Uh, really? Oh, yeah. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. And they've changed the Book of Mormon like thousands and thousands of places over the years to make it fit their theology. And and they get convenient revelations from God when social pressure uh, applies and things like this. It's just okay. it's a joke. You know, yeah, that's how God works. So, you know what? Let me get my finger, my celestial finger. Let's hold it up, wet it, hold it up in the air and see which way the cultural wind is blowing down there on Earth. And I'll, go, I'll give a new revelation to the prophet. Hey, Matt, are the brown so, people uh, are the brown people represented now, like us Spanish people? Yeah, I, you know, I I don't know. Um, I think the brown I think any brown people you're just out of luck. You know, you're probably oh, man. Just gonna go to limbo. I don't know. And uh, and who white, knows? White, white privilege, Matt. White privilege, man. White privilege. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Celestial white privilege, and I'm a white guy, so I'm obviously superior to all of you. I don't know if you're white or not, or whatever. It's for the pre-existence, yeah. okay? And I'm humble about it too. So yeah. just you know. <laughs> okay. So, so just going back to that, like, is that official yep. doctrine here? Do you find that in just certain Mormon wards or is that is because you just mentioned right now that that's not embraced anymore? Uh, maybe it right. is with some. I, I don't know if you could just clarify that. In Doctrine and Covenants, I mean, excuse me, in a Journal of Discourses, some of the History of the Church stuff and other writings all over through decades and decades, multiple writings, that's what was taught. Wow. Okay. Wow. All right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you can tell it's a, it's a really good religion from God. And by the way, you can always tell when a man invents a religion because he gets power, mm-hmm. money, and sex. And yeah. Joseph Smith mm-hmm. had over 30 wives, and Brigham Young, the second prophet, had uh, well over 50. Wow. And Joseph Smith married some young girls and married girls who were still married to other guys. That's a whole other thing. Yeah, he was a wow. yeah, he's a nice guy. Oh, yeah, he was a nice guy. In fact, if you go to uh, uh, go to the Mormon Temple Square, which I live five hours from, I've been there many times, and you go through and you see various pictures, hey, the more modern we get, the better looking Joseph Smith gets, by the way. Uh, now he's... <laughs> He's kind of blonde-haired. Looks like Brad Pitt now. (laughs) Yeah, he's kind of Brad Pitt. Yeah, in fact, you know, the Mormon Jesus is the blonde-haired, blue-eyed, Caucasian surfer Jesus. Right, right. I've seen that. yeah, we know that Jesus was blonde hair, blue eyed, and dressed in a woman's nightgown. So, right, he was brown though, man. (laughs) Yeah, he was definitely brown. He was definitely on the brown side, so yeah. I think you guys, whoever brown, I don't know, you guys, whatever. Yeah, I should walk so, into a church of the Latter Day Saints down here and see if Jesus uh, looks brown down here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, I should check yes, that out. Right. I should yeah. check it out. I'm serious. Yeah. yeah, see what it is. So that's right. Hey, that's right. Hey, I look more like Jesus than you do. You know. <laughs> so, but you guys are. I've seen a few of you guys. You guys are pretty ugly. So I don't know. <laughs> but uh, so at any rate, now you know. So when it comes time for Mormons to be born, you know that when you on your upper lip that little uh, dent underneath their nose, that that's called a fulcrum. And so the Mormon kind of like cute little kid story is that uh, when they're born, God puts His finger over your mouth, causing that little dent, and that's so that you don't remember the preexistence anymore. Wow. And so you're born, and if you're lucky, you're born into a good white uh, family, a uh, Mormon family. That's really, that means you were really good in the preexistence. And so in order to be a good Mormon, you have to go to the Mormon church, obey the laws and the ordinances of the gospel, and pay full 10% tithe of your income to the church for at least one year, because if you do that, you get... A temple recommend. A temple recommend allows you to go to the temple. Now, in the temple, you um, put on your undergarments, which are white undergarments. They have little embroidered little symbols on them. And um, 
then what you do is you go through a ceremony, and I would recommend go to YouTube and just type in Mormon Temple Ceremony. Someone snuck a camera in and went through. And it's worth watching because during the Mormon Temple Ceremony, you will see, you you can read transcripts, you will see where... For example, they have actors playing Adam and Eve and the devil and Jesus and the Father. And Adam asks, in in Mormonism, in the Mormon temple ceremony, Adam asks God a question. Satan answers. Hmm. Very interesting. And when you go into the temple and you go through the ceremony, you are given a little bag with a green fig leaf apron. So you're given this. You're supposed to put it on at some time during the ceremony. Okay. Now, what happens is Adam and Satan are talking, and Adam says to Satan, what is that apron you have on? It's a fig leaf apron, but if people have told me, it's black. Okay. Fig leaf apron is black. They're given a fig leaf apron that's green. And Satan answers and says, it's a, pow- it's a symbol of my... Um, Uh, priesthood and powers or powers and priesthood the film then stops and that's when the mormons are told to put on their aprons okay yeah that that's spooky a lot of mormons quit mormonism after that and um so in the mormon temple ceremony uh you which you're allowed to go into only if you paid your dues financially to be able to get in you learn secret handshakes you learn secret hugs you get a new name so that hopefully when you die, you go to the third level of heaven, which in their theology is celestial heaven. And in the third level of the third level of celestial heaven is called the church of the firstborn. And in there, that's where you shake hands with God hmm. in four, four handshake patterns and give hugs. That way he knows you've been a good faithful Mormon and you have the potential of becoming a god of your own planet and starting the whole thing over again. That's wow. wow! See now, I you know you're telling me all this stuff, and I'm here like kind of shaking my head and be like, "This can't be true." But I mean, this is uh, this is verified. I mean, I, I completely trust Matt in, in in his research. I mean, he has a he has a whole entire ministry on research. <laughs> I feel like I'm in a yeah. sci-fi movie right now. Right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> it's wow. Well, that's you know that, that this is, you said sci-fi. Once I was walking in in um, uh, Temple Square area, and I just happened to. Yeah, I, I, I'm always witnessing everywhere I can. And this lady, I go, hey, you Mormon? She goes, yeah. And I said, oh. And I know I only had like 40 seconds before she was, you know, we're going to split ways. I said, you're Mormon, yeah? You believe God, um, you know, is an exalted man? Yes. And isn't it true that you believe he, he was from, you know, near a star called Kolob? Yes. I said, so he's from another planet. Doesn't that make him an alien? Don't you worship a god who's an alien with its god mate? And that's what you mm-hmm. worship, a god, a goddess from another planet as aliens? She actually looked at me for a second it registered and she said we don't no it's not like that then she walked away Uh um another thing that i wanted to ask matt i know i know i've seen now i don't don't know if this is true but it is is it true that mormons do believe that within this third heaven especially for men that they will have multiple wives because what i've what i've heard what it looks like from the little that i've read that it's very hyper sexualized Mormonism oh, yeah. and, and a lot of stuff like there's a lot of um, you like just sex and period. So anyway, I'll just let you go off on that. Yeah, I've had uh, different uh, Mormons tell me different things because what's official, what's not official. Some say no, is only one uh, have one wife, and others say many wives. Okay. But what we do know is that in order for a woman to be 
um, resurrected to goddesshood, her husband has to call her name, has to call her forth. They have to also be sealed in the temple. Now, a lot of people say, oh, that means they have sex in the temple. No, it doesn't. They don't do anything kinky weird. It's just demonic and everything. But yeah. um, so, yeah, it, they're pretty straightforward. I mean, they're decent people. Okay. It's just they're deceived by this cult. Huh. So, all righty. So, anyway. Alrighty, and then and so another thing that definitely I wanted to address, or, or for you to address, is the the term or what they use, uh, Latter Day Saints, because um, right. that's very, um, uh, it, it's very important to understand because it's something that they claim and uh, that's within their right. name. So if you could just unpack that for our listeners. Yeah, Latter Day is a phrase used not only by Mormonism but uh, also by other groups and movements. One called the Latter Day Rain movement, which is bad, but. Nevertheless, what it basically teaches in is that in these last days, these latter days, we are the saints of the latter days because we have the the revelation and the restoration of the true gospel of Jesus Christ. Because Second Thessalonians two talks about the apostasy and Mormons take it out of context. In fact, when you talk to Mormons and they quote scripture, just be very careful and listen as carefully as you can while they're talking, quoting scripture. Very important, because if you listen enough, carefully enough, you might actually hear the tearing and ripping sounds of verses being ripped out of context. You can hear it. (laughs) (laughs) And so, um, now I forgot my train of thought, because I just... Latter-day Saints, you're on Latter-day Saints. Oh, yeah, 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 that's right. I was just testing you guys. So, (laughs) Latter-day Saints, so they're the ones with the present revelation. Now, Jesus said the Law and the Prophets were until John, uh, Luke uh, 16, 16. Now, Law and the Prophets was a division of the Old Old Testament, you know, Mm -hmm. the Law, the Pentateuch, first five books, and the rest of the the Old Testament. So he said the law and the prophets were until John, John the Baptist. And what he's saying there is there's no more of this Old Testament prophet stuff anymore. But yet what Joseph Smith claimed to be is a Old Testament style prophet. Hmm. And so uh, it's refuted there. And among other, uh, there's lots of ways to refute Mormonism. Lots. Okay. But uh, logical, logical inconsistencies and impossibilities and scriptural re- reputations and things like that. Hmm. historical manufacturing of, of lies and stuff. It's an L-Sock religion. <laughs> and so, so again, the, the, their claim is that the church um, passed away, right? It, it fell, right. there was a state of darkness, and they recovered it. And so they're, they're really yeah. essentially claiming that they're the true church, correct? Absolutely, they okay. are. Oh, absolutely. In fact, um, you know, it's, I always say, oh, it, it's another only true church. Mm-hmm. Uh, because there was an apostasy of some sort, which the apostasy is concomitant with the arrival of the Antichrist. It's, uh, the apostasy is, precedes it, but it's, it's simul- not simultaneous, but pretty closely related. And that has not yet happened yet, even though there is an apostasy occurring within the Christian Church. And if you want, we can talk about that sometime, because, boy, is it right. happening. Right. And, oh, man. <laughs> and so... What happens is, is as uh, Paul talked about in Second uh, Timothy four, he talked about the last days, many fall away, and things mm-hmm. like this. Right. And Jesus says, you know, many false Christ and false prophets will arise and deceive many. This is what's going on. So, you mm-hmm. know, there always has to be an apostasy of some sort that they're, so that their prophet or prophetess or organization can restore the truth, and that's okay. how it works. Ah, I see. I see. Which is why I'm going to start a new religion called Slickism. 
okay. I'll be waiting for that one. Yeah. We'll bring you yeah. on. <laughs> yeah, you had to wear a hat, and you got to give me five bucks. And uh, then you're, you're basically you're in. Oh, man. That's, that's great. That's funny. Um, anything else, Matt, with Mormon theology that, that you would want to talk about for actually, our listeners? Actually, or actually, yeah. I, actually I, I wanted to ask, now, yeah. uh, Mormonism, do they believe in... Uh, universalism that everybody will be yes. going to heaven and some wow. okay yes yes yeah see there's uh outer darkness is only for the very 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 wickedest of people for a thousand years and then they're redeemed out of it mm-hmm. and uh, so yeah huh. they're universalists so in mormonism there's three levels of of heaven mm-hmm. the lowest level is called telestial the middle heaven is called terrestrial you'd think it'd be reversed but it's terrestrial hmm. and then the highest level is celestial so people like me anti-mormon as much as i am anti-mormon i'm sincere and so i'll just go to the middle heaven with okay. most mormons that's where most mormons go anyway mm-hmm. because they're not keeping celestial law in order to be saved mm-hmm. uh, in order to be exalted to godhood and the bad, bad people who are wicked, um, they are to go to the lowest level, uh, uh, celestial heaven, and uh, then, this is why they get baptized for the dead. You see, people baptize for the dead. Mm-hmm. That's out of First Corinthians 15, 29, which they rip out of context. And they say that uh, we have to baptize uh, in your, you know, presently here, we baptize for the dead, so that in the pre in the uh, next life you have the ability to accept the Mormon gospel and maybe move around in your level a little bit. Maybe go up. I'm not sure if you go from the lowest to the second, huh. but you cannot go from the second to the third. I know that. Wow, that's that's so interesting. Again, I'm I'm sitting listening to this and I'm going, that can't be true. But mm. and I have I have Abe across from me. He's he's reading something too on the internet. He's going, yep, yeah, yep, no. Yep. Well, I, I was just like. Yeah, wow. of course. Oh yeah, it's Mormonism. Back in 1980, 81, 82, I ran a swap meet ministry down in, in Southern California. That's where I first started doing this kind of stuff. And uh, I still remember this guy came up to a booth we had handing out literature and stuff, and we got talking about Mormonism. And I said, "Yeah, God from another planet, blah blah blah, secret handshakes, become gods. You know, you got to do this, you got to do that." I went on for like a minute. You know, just giving him the synopsis, you know, Satan right. and brothers. And he looked at me, and I still remember him saying, you are lying. Hmm. And I said, I said, no, I'm not. This is what it teaches. He said, no, it doesn't. He said, nobody is that stupid to believe that. Huh. You're lying. So, and he walked off. So going off of that, I mean, people who profess to be Mormons, I mean, would, is it is it really like a nominalism? Um you know, like they really don't know the exact doctrine uh, that they believe don't. in? Yeah, okay. See, here's no. the thing about Mormonism. If you're going to witness to Mormons, mm. you have to use definitions. Because yeah. if I were to, so if a Mormon was sitting here, if we were all in a group together, you know, in the bookstore over there or whatever, and a Mormon came in and I said, hey, watch this, guys. Don't say anything. Just watch. Just listen. Okay. And I said to the Mormon, hey, do you believe in Trinity? Yes. Mm. Do you believe there's only one God? Yes. Are we saved by grace through faith in Christ? Yes. Wow. You all go, well, that sounds good. What you have to do is you have to say, do you believe in the Trinity, right? They say yes. You say, do you believe that the Trinity is one God in three simultaneous distinct persons, not personages, not three gods, but only one God who's always been God from from all existence? They would have to say, well, no. Hmm. And do you believe that um, Jesus is only one God? Well, of course there's only one God. So do you believe that there's only one God in all existence, all place, and all time? Well, no. 
Because when they say, do you believe in one God, that means out of the many gods that exist, they only serve and worship one of them. Hmm. Do you believe in salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone? Kind of a thing. Some will say yes, some will say no, depending on how you word it. But generally what they're saying is salvation is of two things, two possibilities. One is universal resurrection. The other one is uh, forgiveness of sins. And that's by grace, because like Catholicism, you cooperate with the grace of God to do good works, so therefore you're saved by those good works, but it's by God's grace that you're doing this. And um, and, and I and have so a... Adele, and I just... I'm, I'm sorry, Matt, just real quick. And then uh, I sure. think it says in the Book of Mormon's uh, second uh, Nephi, 25, so it says Mormon, Mormonism uh, teaches that we know that it's by grace that we are saved after all we can do. Yeah. Second oh. Nephi 25, 23, yeah. right. Uh, after all we can do, and um, which is a lot of what Armenians teach in a lot of ways. Uh, unfortunately, some some do. Mm. But um, also in uh, Book of Mormon, uh, Moroni 10.32, I believe it is, or 10.34, 10.32, it says, um, it's been a while I quoted it. It says, if you deny yourself of all ungodliness, then is God's grace sufficient for you. And in D&C, Doctrine and Covenants, 82, verse 7, uh, 6 or 7, it says that um, if you have repented of your sins, and then you sin again, the same sin, then all of your formal sins, for, former sins, come back to you. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Man, that's, there's no peace there. There's no peace. There's no hope. No. So Matt, let's let's talk about a little bit of soteriology. You were talking about there's three levels. We're talking about work based uh, salvation, which you know I was just reading <laughs> the Book of Galatians, yeah, which yeah, yeah. yeah, me and Abe have been uh, discussing been maybe about, yeah. about going through Galatians in the series of the podcast. But let, let me just Good. read uh, uh, Galatians uh, chapter two verses. Uh, 15 through 16. And I mean, this is right. just powerful, and then we'll just use this as a springboard to go into this. But um, just by, by faith, this is Paul, uh, and he says, We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Here's, here, here's where I want everybody to listen. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Jesus Christ in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of law here's here it is i want everybody to listen here because by works of law no one will be justified so matt let's let going off of what we're reading here on the uh, in, in scripture um and and let's contrast that with mormon soteriology uh give us some of the main main things that they believe in and uh we'll, i'll just let you go from here well, Mormonism, like all false religious cult systems, teach that salvation is dependent upon uh, your faith in God uh, and your works. Okay. Now, you got to understand something, that when you do this kind of a thing, if you quote that, those verses, mm -hmm. you understand what they mean. But how the cultists will hear them might be a little bit different. Okay. And this is where a study on Roman Catholicism comes in handy. Because we should do a show on Catholicism, and you won't believe oh, yeah. how bad it is. It's it's horrible. It's not even Christian. But nevertheless, what um, groups will do is say, we're, we don't believe we're saved by the by the works of the law. Of course we agree with uh, Galatians 2, 16, 21, Romans 5, uh, 5 uh, 1, mm -hmm. Romans 3, 28, etc. They'll say, yeah, we agree with that, because they don't say it's just by works of the law. They say it's by faith and works. And so when you read those verses in Galatians, you'll say, yeah, of course we're not justified by the works of the law. Of course not. 
Mm-hmm. But what they mean is you have to have faith in Christ and do good works in order to demonstrate that that you, that you're worthy of being saved. Because if you don't try, well then God's not going to save you. You got to try. Mm. Okay. That's what's going on. Galatians five two through five is better. Okay. And it's, 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 okay. And the reason that is is because if you receive circumcision, Christ will be of no benefit to you. And what is circumcision? Circumcision is the uh, one small ceremony. It's a small ceremony. Mm-hmm. And Paul said, if you receive circumcision, Christ will be of no benefit to you. You've fallen from grace. You who are seeking to be justified by the law. Because mm-hmm. what Paul then clarifies is that one little thing... One little thing about uh, some one little law you have to keep, uh, he says he equates it to being justified by the law. That's the the killer where you got to go there and um, right. and stuff like that. It, it just it gives you more power to work with. I feel, let's just say this: I field tested these things in different circumstances, different situations for many years. So you know. And and the people that do follow the law, uh, uh, Paul says that they will be judged by the law. Because you yeah. break one, you break one, you break them all. And, That's right, James and, and, 10. And, and it's perfection. And the only one who fulfilled that was Christ. And so here's Amen. the thing. So here's the thing. Like, what does Jesus play into the role of Mormonism? I mean, the cross is insufficient, <laughs> yeah. right, uh-huh. to them. So what, what is Jesus' role within the church? Oh, he's a way shower who opened the way for us to be able to attain godhood and or salvation in the, in the middle kingdom if we, hopefully, trust in what he's done and uh, do good works because you're saved by grace through faith after mm-hmm. all you can do, Second Nephi 25, 23. So you've got to do this kind of stuff. It's important for you to do that, to demonstrate to God how sincere you are. Because what? You're just teaching you can go out and believe in Jesus and just go out and sin all you want? Mm-hmm. I, I say to people, yes, that's correct. <gasps> Are you serious? Okay. Go, yeah, now ask next question. Ask me how much I want to sin. Yeah. Because yeah. I don't. Mm. I, I call, it's called being born again, something you don't know about. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Matt. So so one thing that I could I could kind of hear maybe someone who is a Mormon who's listening to this, and especially, you know, we kind of brought in a little bit of Roman Catholicism into this because it, it I, I do agree with you, studying Roman Catholicism will give you a really good understanding of, of just how work-based theology works. Um, but yep. I, again, just going back to, I, I want to touch on, because it always goes back to, to James 2, uh, verse 24, mm-hmm. you see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And that's always the, the, the quickest objection that, that comes from Roman Catholics uh-huh. as well as Mormonism. And, and I'm more than sure you said, you've said that you field test these things. Mm-hmm. They'll, they'll shoot back. Witness. Jo- yeah, you've, you've, yeah, yeah, one, AW yeah. here has, has dealt with Jehovah's <laughs> Witnesses. And that one's the first thing that always shoots right back. Um, can you talk about that, Matt? Because sure. it's super important to understand that passage because it's commonly taken out of context. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's right. Well, when they quote that verse, they go, did you hear that? And then they go, hear what? Um, you always got to read it in context, starting at verse 14. What use is it, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but he has no works, can that faith save him? Mm-hmm. That's the faith under discussion. A dead faith that has no works. There's no manifestation. Mm-hmm. If a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed, and be filled, and yet you don't give them what is necessary for their body, well, what's, what good is that? Even so, faith, if it has no works, is being by itself. Now, this is a critical verse here. <clears throat> but someone may well say, you have faith and I have works. That's on the horizontal between people, not the vertical, as Romans 4 is. 
you have faith and I have works. So show me your faith without the works. I will show you my faith by my works. Mm-hmm. That's on the horizontal. Yeah. You believe that God is one, you do well. The demons also believe and shudder. But are you willing to recognize, oh, foolish fellow, that faith that works is useless? And then he goes on and says what he says about Abraham, etc. And then um, faith that works is justified. Man is not justified by faith alone, but by uh, by works also. So that's James 2.24. So the context is, justification before people, not before God. And what I always reference, cross-reference, is is Romans 4. What shall we say then that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, is found? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. That's justification. That's a vertical. Okay. Right there. For what does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God and was credited to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wage is not credited as a favor, but what is due. But to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as as righteousness. That is obviously the vertical justification, where James 2 is horizontal justification. Hmm. And so they just took it out of context under James. I think that's the first time I've heard that example on horizontal like yeah those are good distinctions to make distinction yes yep horizontal and vertical between people horizontal between god and you vertical vertical. Mm -hmm. simple and i know roman catholics would object as as i'm I'm sure mormon mormons do as well and say that well in the sense of the horizontal like we're not there right we like we didn't get to see it i I know that is a an objection that they that they get but when we're reading the, the passage and we're we're reading, you know, Abraham when he's offering his son up to Isaac. We are there because we're reading the text. Mm. We're we're witnessing that as the church, and so that's how that that horizontal is is, is seen. Um, would right. I be correct in that, Matt? Because I've I've. I've but if you mean that uh, justification before people is horizontal, and as right. we see in the church, yeah. But in no way, shape, or form, period, ever is it possible that any of our works, which none are good, Romans 3, 10, 11, and 12, and our hearts are desperately wicked, Jeremiah 17, 9, none of our good works have any bearing whatsoever on the ability of God to save us. In fact, yeah. in Galatians 2, 21, if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died needlessly. Yes, if we could be made is. right before God by what we do, then Christ um uh, died needlessly. Yeah. And this gets into the issue of eternal security and the necessity of eternal security because if our salvation depends in any way upon our performance, our sincerity, our goodness, then all the thing we've been comparing in hell is how long do we last uh, before we uh, committed some great sin and lost our salvation, which would be mm-hmm. like for me about 0.28 seconds. Okay? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this is it. People don't understand that there's a disparity, an incredibly huge gulf between the infinitely holy God and us. And we are sinners saved by grace. We are by nature children of wrath, Ephesians 2, 3. We are dead in our trespasses and sins, Ephesians 2, 1. And the only way that we can be made right before God on a vertical relationship, on that justification, is to trust in what Christ himself has done, who com- completed the law perfectly and never sinned, 1 Peter 2, 22, who bore our sin in his body on the cross, 1 Peter 2, 24. And he died with that, fulfilling the requirements of the law, Romans six twenty three. rose from the dead three days later and ascended into heaven in a glorified body four days after mm. that. Those people who trust in what Christ has done 
then will have the righteousness of God that's imputed to them, Philippians 3, 9. That's why it says we have a righteousness that is not our own, yeah. but a righteousness that comes from God. Having therefore been justified by faith, Romans 5, 1. We maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from the works of the law, mm. Romans three twenty eight. The only hope we have is Jesus Christ and him crucified, and even the faith that we have in him is granted to us, Philippians one twenty nine. and our believing is the work of God, John 6, 20, 29. We're born again, not of our own will, 1 Peter 1, 3. We're caused to be born again, actually, uh, 1 Peter 1, 3, mm. and we're born again, not of our own will, John 1, 13. Mm. So that's how it works. Very God clear. receives yeah. all the glory. Yeah, And that's why at judgment, he's always going to be looking at Jesus's righteousness and not ours yep on the day of judgment when it's there i'm going to be just figurative expression here hiding behind the robe of christ amen that's it that's yeah. all i got yeah that's it hmm. wow so so back to the uh, now that we've clarified that we're justified justified by faith um what, what is exclusive is there anything exclusive to mormon soteriology into being saved um <clears throat> well Salvation in universal resurrection is guaranteed by uh, Christ, and so everybody's going to be saved in that sense. And the level of salvation they talk about an exaltation becoming gods with secret handshakes and secret hugs, that's unique to Mormonism. Hmm. Okay. And temple ceremonies and um, garments that you have to wear. Uh, okay. So you said, you did say secret handshakes, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. But I they did. were, yeah, okay. they were taken from the Masons, okay. but yeah. That's yeah. that's so interesting. So let, let's talk about Joseph Smith for a little bit. Um, how, he, is he a false prophet, and how do yes. we know that? <laughs> yes. Well, he's a false prophet because he said false things about Jesus, for one thing, um, and he made false prophecies yeah. also, which, coincidentally, I happen to have written about on this really awesome website called karm.org. Oh, and, that's uh, yours. If you were to go there. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, what a coincidence. I didn't know that. That's right, it is. Check it out, everybody. And um, so he prophesied him read. I don't have this memorized, but he's. Um, you just go to Carm uh, and look up false prophecies of Joseph Smith, and they're listed there. Uh, he said that uh, 56 years would should right up, wind up the scene when Jesus would return. Mm-hmm. Um, the temple would be built in Missouri within Smith's generation. I've been to that area, and it's not there. Um, all nations will be involved in American Civil War. Now, there was, a lot of people think this is a really good prophecy because, you know, the Civil War came 40 years later um, or 30 years later. But uh, but there was already uh, political uh, rumblings right. about, about this way back in then. And uh, so there's that uh, prophecy that the earth will tremble and the sun will be hidden in not many days. And uh, and prophecy of Isaiah, Isaiah 11 will be um, about to be fulfilled. That's uh, where the wolf will dwell with a lamb and things like that. Huh. Those are just some of them. So he was um, false prophet. And unfortunately, you know, I don't like any theology that, that demotes Christ, exalts man, and leads to damnation. And so you can hear that in my tone. I, I hate false religious systems because they lead to damnation. Uh-huh. And, uh, and I could tell you a story that's connected to that, but that's, you know. But the thing is, we have to understand that people are going to be lost. Mm. And this is false stuff. So he's a false prophet, and we need to pray for the Mormons and ask that God would be merciful to them and show them the same grace he showed to us and save them. Mm. Amen. 
Amen. And, and and you're you do all this, you know. I, I really appreciate it because uh, we're talking about Mormonism here, and, and I love your 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 stance on it. And I know that your love for Christ and also for the for the love of the people that might be in Mormonism to get out, mm-hmm. you know, and 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 see truth of what it is, or somebody yeah. who might want to go into it, you know. Correct. And 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 I love that you care and love. Uh, people that might mm-hmm. fall into it or are in it and right. want to yeah. come out of it. Yeah, yeah. And this for our listeners too. You have Matt Slick, and he, you know, he sounds very, very rough. Like he's trying to really rough you up. But I, 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 I we know Matt. Um, I got to spend some time with him here after the conference, and it was awesome. I got to eat, uh, you know, uh, breakfast with him and everything. But he does all this out of love. And let me tell you one thing: is that love does look different, mm-hmm. especially um, if it if you. If it's the truth, and and what I mean by that is, you know, like if if my little brother is in a house, and the house is on fire, and he's asleep, my love for him is going to break down absolutely everything. Windows, doors, mm-hmm. you're going to go through it, and it's going to look violent, and I'm yeah. going to be dragging him out of it. Yeah, even and if he breaks some legs or some yeah, some arms, right? But I I do it out of love, that's and I kind of just you know this this podcast, and that truly is the the our heart as well as Matt's. And, um, you know, yeah. we, we want to share this truth yeah. and, uh, we're going to defend the truth at all cost, mm-hmm. And, uh, we just want Mormons to repent of their sin, come out of the cult that they're in mm-hmm. and tr- turn to the one and true gospel yeah. that Amen. is found in Jesus Christ. So you, you know, uh, just so people, I want to just segue for that or add to that. I don't hate Mormons. I was never roughed up by a Mormon. Mm-hmm. It's just a theology. And you know, just three nights ago, I was doing some shopping, and I, or three or four nights ago, and I saw some Mormons. And I mean, I could tell it, the Mormon style, Mormon look. And I, you know, I was talking to them, and I wasn't mean or, or you know, jumping all over them. But you know, it, when I talk like this, that's that's what Mormonism teaches. We as Christians need to know how bad it is. Yeah. But when we talk to Mormons, you gotta, you know, I could teach you techniques for what for witnessing to them. That's gentle and easy, mm-hmm. loving, patient, kind, and things like that. But Mormonism is simply false. And I gotta say what it is. It's it's false. Right. Correct. Correct. All right, Matt. Well, we always give the opportunity for our guests to share the gospel uh to to our listeners and so i just want to give you that opportunity right as we're landing landing the plane to this podcast and just give you the opportunity to share the gospel for those who are listening and uh maybe specifically for someone who is a mormon who's tuning in (laughs) sure i'd love to it's a privilege to be able to give the greatest message that anybody can ever give to anybody else which is the gospel of jesus christ and that gospel, the Uengelia in the Greek, is the good news. And the good news is that we do not have to keep the law in order to please the infinitely holy God. The law is a reflection of the character of God. God cannot lie. He cannot steal. And he himself is a standard of perfection. He does not lower his standard for anybody else. He says, be holy, for I am holy, First Peter 1.16. He doesn't adjust for you. This is why Jesus, second person of the Trinity, became one of us who kept the law perfectly and did everything perfectly. He didn't lower the standard. He maintained the standard and fulfilled that standard of absolute perfection in thought, word, intention, in hand, in deed, in everything. We cannot do that because we're sinners by nature. And so because of that, and because we've sinned, we've broken the law of God, and that law has punishments. <clears throat> Therefore, we are all under that punishment, that legal obligation of punishment that God has for all who've broken his law. 
However, because he is the only one who can keep that law perfectly, he became one of us, kept that law perfectly, and did everything as necessary. And then, because sin is a legal problem, the wages of sin is death. Sin is breaking the law of God, 1 John 3, 4. That's what it says. Sin is lawlessness. God says, don't lie. If I lie, I break his law. And so legal problems, legal issues can be transferred. And Jesus um, received by transfer our sins to his account, to his body on that cross. He bore our sin in his body in the cross. Colossians 2.14 says he canceled that certificate of, of debt, having nailed it to the cross. He canceled it there. So he did everything that's necessary. We can't do anything. And so what we need to do is with the faith that we have, we trust in Christ. And you can pray to Jesus. They even prayed to Jesus in the Book of Mormon, 3 Nephi 19:18, And they pray to Jesus in 1 Corinthians 1, verses 1 and 2. And you can ask Jesus, who has all authority in heaven and earth, Matthew 28, 18. You can ask him to forgive you of all of your sins. You trust in him alone. <clears throat> not in anybody else. Not in, any, not in a prophet. Not in a church. Not in a system. Not in baptism. Not in a ceremony. But in Christ and what he has done on that cross. And you do that by faith alone. And even if your faith is weak... Faith is only as good as who you put it in. You put it in Jesus Christ, who's God in flesh, then your faith will count. And then, upon trusting what he's done, and what he's done alone, God in flesh, physically died, physically risen, and you trust in what he's done, then his righteousness is reckoned to your account, Philippians 3, 9. And that means you're made right before God the Father, according to that law, and you escape that judgment because, well, We've died with Christ. We've died to the law of Romans 7, 4, and we're free. And this is what salvation is, to be delivered from the righteous judgment of God. And justification is to be declared right before God according to his great law. And this can only be done by faith alone, in Christ alone, by his work alone, and what he has alone done. That is what we all must do. Ooh. Amen. 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 That was a good proclamation of the gospel. Yes, thank you. <laughs> All right, Matt. Well, we're going to go ahead and land the plane, but um, where can our listeners find you? <laughs> <clears throat> go to carm.org, C-A-R-M dot O-R-G. You can go to Matt Slick on Facebook. Just type in my name. You'll find a lot of stuff. Most of it's not true, but you'll find my <laughs> Matt Matt Slick website. I got Matt Slick Facebook page. Got Carm. I got. I actually have eighteen or nineteen or twenty Facebook pages I run for different witnessing evangelism stuff. Right. And um, you can go to Amazon and look up my name there, and you can see the books I've written. And and uh, then I'm on radio too. Yeah. And uh, so I'll be on radio today in about two and a half hours, and um, on a bunch of stations and stuff like that. And All right. That's how you can find me. Yeah. yeah. And we, you know, uh, Matt, we've been getting a uh, larger following overseas. So uh, for Good. all our listeners overseas, please check out his website. It's great, it's re stuff. great resources. Uh, you know, just go down to world religion. I mean, it's like taking a seminary course on religion. I mean, there is so much there. And, and again, we thank Matt Slick for the time that he spends uh, putting this information on his website. I mean, it's yeah, really it's, good. And it's very scholarly, too. So that's yes. that's one of the reasons why I, I love Matt Slick is he's very trustworthy and mm -hmm. a lot of the stuff that, that he puts out. Yeah. So 
Um, again, thank you so much, Matt, for coming on. We'll have you come on and talk about another subject topic maybe we'll get some emails on mormonism and we'll have to answer some questions and yeah, we'll absolutely. send them off to you and do it but um well we got to do one on catholicism like we need I oh mean, yes I oh mean, yeah we've been you know we've been experiencing some things you know lately mm-hmm. you know in the last month so it'd be really nice to dive into that especially in in in, uh, in an area where it's predominantly catholicism that dominates the city yes 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 and i think the one thing with uh, you know, Christ- Christianity, Protestant Christianity, and Roman Catholicism. A lot of people here don't see the difference. Um, they think it's all the same thing, and uh, they really think there is no difference. But really, when you get down to the theology, the scripture, uh, what we believe, why we believe, there is a big chasm that is there, and uh, yeah, ma- huge, massive. And so, uh, yeah, Matt, maybe we'll uh, we'll set up something in the future for that one. Yeah, that'd be great. Absolutely, I would love to talk about Roman Catholicism. <laughs> I would too. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. All right, ladies and gentlemen, well, uh, tune in to our, uh, our next program. Be waiting. Um, I know I didn't really give an introduction to uh, really what, what we're all about here, but uh, Bridge Ministries is a Reformed Christian bookstore. We are dedicated to discipling Christians and what they believe, why they believe it. Uh, we're also a coffee, coffee shop, and, uh, and uh, we're, we're, you could find this podcast if, if you're not already uh, you know, subscribed. Please subscribe, but we're on iTunes, Android, Windows, Google Play, and we got our Bridge app finally up. Yes, we've been so, talking about it for months. Yeah, I know, months. So, so now it's up. It's we're, up. We have articles that are up there, and we're going to continue to be getting some up. We have, um, obviously, Bridge Radio. We have sermons. Uh, what our goal is is to put up uh, expository sermons through New Testament books and Old Testament books. And right now we have Ephesians, John, uh, the book of Mark. We also have some stuff on the Apostles' Creed and the Ten Commandments that are soon to be up, uh, lectures as well. So we have a lot of stuff that's going to go up on that app. That's how you could stay connected with us, and you could also um, give to our ministry this mm. this allows us to do what we're doing here yeah. and to uh, evangelize to disciple and uh, and uh, do conferences as yeah. well and so I just highly encourage for you to go download that that's uh, just go to your local app store and you'll yeah. find type up bridge ministries and you'll find it there yeah. uh, but anyway guys we'll see you on the next one what is your only comfort in life and in death and it is this that I am not my own but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior Jesus Christ We'll see you on the next one. Thank you. Later.